0: You know, churches, sometimes I'm not sure if pastors do this enough, but this past week, you know, especially given the season, I I just had a moment where um, I just am so grateful for this church. You know, it was two years ago right at this time after talking for weeks and even months with the board and the others here at this church about this possibility of me even jumping in. And it was never anything Nicole and I ever expected or intended. We were just sitting in the chair doing our thing on Sunday. So be careful. You might get asked to be the pastor of this church one day. Um, (laughs) But in that moment, Nicole and I never could have imagined how incredible these last two years could have been for us. Um, And just the amazing family that this church has become for us. So many people that... We we've met and have become friends and family to us, and the amazing things that God is doing through this place, church. We just baptized 140 people so far at this point in the year. How how cool is it that just God's moving and? Um, I'm so thankful to so many of you guys. I know a good handful of you guys were in kids' rooms just last service. There are a couple dozen of you here painting walls on a day off. A lot of you guys are going to give up some time even later today to really create a space for all the guests coming for Christmas and so many of the other sacrifices that are made for this community. And so I just want to let you guys know that uh, Nicole and I are so grateful for you and for this church. And I I want you to hear this the right way. I still feel like we are very early in what God is up to in this church. It feels very early to me with what is happening in this place, and I can't wait to share with you what's coming in 2024. But I'm actually really grateful today, too, as well, because um, I invited a special friend to bring the word to us today, Um, give you a little context here before I invite him up. Some years ago, when Nicole and I first moved to Colorado, we ended up in the Boulder area doing ministry to... Uh, high school and college students and my partner in crime in all of this ended up being Maurice Cox. Uh, we worked together at a church in the area and just had so much fun doing camps and retreats and services and there, if there's one thing you need to know about Maurice is uh, he has an incredible supernatural spiritual gift. He can sleep anywhere. Anywhere. I have like 40 pictures of photobombing him while he's sleeping. He sleeps on planes, cars, the back of a donkey. I think he'd pass out riding a horse. Like, but we just had so much fun doing ministry uh, to young people together. And even when I came here to Northern Hills, we have always stayed in touch. And whenever we start talking life and ministry and church, we turn into two middle school girls. We just talk and talk and talk. And it was just in the last couple of weeks when Maurice reached out to me. He said, hey, man, I just want to let you know um, I had this opportunity come up to join a church in Texas. And Maurice has gotten this incredible opportunity to join the pastoral team of Community Bible Church in San Antonio, which if that doesn't mean anything to you, you need to know this is an incredible church led by Ed Noon. It is a global church and an unbelievable opportunity for my friend Maurice. But I was like, man, I had all these plans to get you preaching here and now I got this tiny window of time before you make this move. So can you get in before you make this move happen? And so we were able to make it make it work. And so I am so honored, church, to invite my good friend, my brother. I need a massive Northern Hills welcome. Welcome for my friend Maurice Cox. Give him some love, everybody. <laughs>
1: well, good morning, Northern Hills. You can go ahead and take your seats. It is so good to be with you all today. Like Brian said, my name is Maurice. It is an honor and a privilege. You don't know much about me, but I got to be honest, I have been stalking you guys for the last two years, ever since Brian uh, took the leadership role here. Uh, Like he said, I've been serving in a current role as a teaching pastor at a local church in the uh, Boulder County area. And uh, it's just been an honor. That's where I met Brian, at the church uh, out in the Boulder County area. Uh, I say I met Brian, but I actually mean Brian took my job, y'all. Brian... (laughs) Yeah, leadership came, sat me down. They're like, we're thinking about hiring this guy. Uh, He's from Chicago. Uh, He grew his ministry from 40 to 400. You can't get past 15. Uh, He has a degree. You don't. Uh, uh, All these things, right? Where I was just like, wait a second, whose side are you guys on right now? And I sat there and I was just like, so are you guys asking me or are you telling me? They're like, Maurice, we got to be honest. We're telling you, uh, but we want this to be your decision. It's like, (laughs) wait, what? Have you ever been in that scenario before? Like I said, falling told, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, but it's been an honor. My wife and I were originally from Los Angeles, California. And, uh, oh, I got some West Coasters in the building. Okay, okay, all right, all right. West Coast, we got a lot of problems, but I love my West Coast, okay? Uh, my wife and I were originally there. We've been here about eight years now, uh, coming up on eight years. Um, and we've been actually eight years married, and then eight years in Colorado also. Um, it's been a, a special, I hear, come on, claps. Somebody's married. Somebody's married. That's a married clap right there that even one year is like, okay, this is a real deal thing right here. Praise God. (laughs) But here's the deal. Uh, I met Brian and I say all these things about Brian because uh, I just got to say that he is a brother. I get an awesome opportunity of calling you brother and friend and I just appreciate your friendship. And um, I've been watching Northern Hills and he's already said it and I'm going to echo just a little bit of that. Um, But I got to be honest, if you don't know much about church world, uh, what's taking place here at Northern Hills is not the common thing. It's not ordinary. That God has his hand upon what is taking place at Northern Hills. And I'm so glad to be just a part of just a small piece of that story. It's been a passion of mine around what it takes to have a move of God in the front range and a leader like Brian come with full of passion and vision. I just got to say, Northern Hills, this is just the beginning of what God is going to do through this community. Come on, amen, amen. hundred and forty baptisms in one year. Uh, that's, that's a movement of God that is taking place and I believe for revival. Uh, as you can tell, uh, I got some churchy baptisms backgrounds and some churchy roots in me, Um, so uh, this morning I'm going to need you to help me preach, okay? Uh, I go around all Colorado helping my white brothers and sisters with chocolate preaching, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a chocolate Pentecostal preacher, which simply means I get really excited. I might start sweating. I don't have a sweat rag, but I might start sweating. I get excited. I might go a little long, y'all, okay? Uh, But here's the deal, when we engage one another, when we are preaching together, uh, I get a few amens, a few hallelujahs, yeah, 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 I know Colorado's not a really churchy area, but I'm good, I I see, I got got one amen right here in the front, I can tell already, Uh, but this is the deal, when you preach with me, I preach better and shorter, y'all. Amen. There was an amen. There we go. I knew I was going to get an amen right there. I knew I was going to get an amen right there. I'm excited about being with you all today, uh, but I can't move forward without also telling you about my family and bringing my family along with me. Such an honor and privilege. I have my wife and my son, my wife, uh, Aisha Cox, and my son, O'Shea Cox. I brought some pictures along with me also. Yes, there we are. As you can see, I have a pastoral budget. I'm wearing the same outfit, y'all. So there's... There's that. I got one more of my little man. That's my boy. Yo, that's my boy. Why do, we, why do we become like real cannibalistic with babies? Because I just get with him and I'm just like, I want to just to your thigh and just kiss all over you. And just like these little rolls that he has. Anybody else? I mean, I know I'm not alone. I know I'm not alone. That's my boy, my wife of eight years, and we've come uh, just excited to be a part of what God is doing here uh, at Northern Hills. And Brian called and he told me, Hey, man, I want to get you in. I got to get you one one time. And I'm a preacher, y'all. So I thought he was going to you know, give me a good narrative story to preach on. You know what I mean? Just give me, you know, Jonah and the whale. You know what I mean? Just g- give me something that I got to preach. Moses coming out of Egypt, uh, some sort of good, strong story. And he was just like, Mo, you got James chapter five. We're closing. Out the series. And I was like, all right, all right, all right, I'm with you, I'm with you. Uh, but in all seriousness, I believe that God has a word that he has placed upon my heart, and I'm excited to bring that with you all today. Um, I can be too long-winded, so I'm going to go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, there was a pastor who went to a church one time, and they were talking in the back with the lead pastor. And he said, all right, now how much time do I have? And they were talking and he said, man, you let the Holy Spirit use you. You go for it, you bring heaven down, you take the space that you need. But the people leave at 12 (laughs) o'clock. With that, on that note, I'm gonna go ahead and pray and jump into our time together. Uh, God, thank you so much for this space. Thank you so much for what you're doing through Northern Hills. God, as we enter into this next few moments together, would you speak a word? Would you nudge us? Would you allow something to be in this moment that you are speaking through? Maybe that is the worship, maybe that's a song, maybe that's one word from the preacher, but would you hide me behind your cross? God, would they walk away not knowing more about Maurice, but would they walk away knowing more about you? Lord, I pray right now that you, that there's people in this room, whatever they may be facing, whatever they may be going through, I pray, Lord, that it takes one encounter, one decision, one moment away from experiencing you for who you truly are that can change the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. amen. As we're in James chapter five, uh, I'm excited because I'm full, full of encouragement I'm going off a script just a little bit. Uh, I'm going to make your pastor cringe probably three times in this sermon. Uh, One of those is going to be when a guest preacher comes up and says, I'm going to go off script. And that's nothing that you told the pastor ahead of time. Uh, But I'm going to go off script just a little bit because I am full of encouragement around the topic that we're going to be leaning into. If you've been around uh, for some time in this series, last week Brian leaned into the topic of patience what it means to have patience in the kingdom of God. Today, James closes out the book with another P word, and that is prayer. He emphasizes a prayer, and today I don't have the opportunity and the time to go line upon line, but I do want to extract the essence and the heart of James. James is a pastor. And he knows who his audience is and he sees it still beneficial to talk about prayer. I think sometimes as church people, we can get desensitized and we can even hear, oh, prayer, okay. I think James is pressing us to a place of recognizing what prayer is. Uh, But watch this, Northern Hills, not just prayer, but what does it look like to pray in difficult seasons, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Watch this, Northern Hills. The prayers of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced crops. Today, as we bookend the book of James, uh, James starts off by leaning into trials and tribulations. If you were here for week one, you know that James leans into consider it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. He starts with this sort of suffering piece and this hardship and then he ends again with the topic of prayer, but not just prayer, prayer during times of hardship. The point that I want to make is going to be illustrated by a story that I want to tell you if you engage with me just for a few moments. Uh, There was a story that I came across of a little church in Mount Vernon, Texas, a little local church in Mount Vernon, Texas. They've been there for several years. Uh, Also in the same town of Mount Vernon, Texas was a businessman by the name of Mr. Drummond. Mr. Drummond owned a bar and grill and he was looking to expand his business. He expanded his business and he wanted to now open up a tavern. The only problem is that Mr. Drummond wanted to open a tavern right next to the church. I know this is Colorado, so some of you are like, I don't mind a tavern and a brewery right next to the church. But this church had a problem with that. So they began, they sprung into action and they began to have prayer meetings and calling on God to stop the construction of this tavern. A few days after their prayer meetings of them gathering together and calling on God to stop this construction, there was a storm that hit little old Mount Vernon. And in this storm, there was lightning that struck and lightning struck the construction site of that tavern, burning it to the ground. The local church got excited and they're elated until they got a subpoena from Mr. Drummond. Mr. Drummond is suing the local church And his claim is that their prayers were the reason to blame for his construction site being struck by lightning. So they have a battle now and they now go to court. They're in a courtroom and they're going back and forth. I encourage you to actually look up some of this story. They are going back and forth and now they're talking and they're arguing and the church is claiming it was not our prayers that is to blame for this construction site being burned to the ground. Mr. Drummond is refuting that and saying it's because of their prayers. They go back and forth, back and forth. The judge bangs the gavel and he says, this is a unique case. I've never tried a case like this before. I don't even know how I am going to rule in this matter. But one thing is for sure. Mr. Drummond believes in the power of prayer and the church does not. Northern Hills, I'm not here to suggest that it was God that struck that tavern down. I'm not here to suggest that you should adopt this type of prayer lifestyle, that you are now praying for the in-laws' house to be burned down. Not in praying that the coworker that is getting on your last nerve, you asking God to burn their house down. No, 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 that's not what I'm suggesting today. What I am suggesting today is that there is still power in prayer. I don't know where you are today, Northern Hills, I don't know what you're facing, I don't know what your background is, but this chocolate preacher this morning has come to encourage you that there is still power in prayer. I don't know who needs to be reminded of it, I don't know what your bank account looks like, I don't know what you've been praying for, I don't know what you're longing for, but I've come to let you know that there is still power in prayer. Northern Hills, I've come to remind you in case your prayer life has grown stale, in case you've been beaten up too much by the divorce, in case the sin that you keep facing in your life is beating you to the ground, I've come to encourage you that there is still power in prayer. I don't know who's under the sound of my voice this morning in Northern Hills, but the porn addict needs to be reminded that there is still power in prayer. The person who is struggling with too much drinking, too much of this, too much excess of this, can I encourage you this morning that there is still power in prayer. This is what James is getting at in his book as he is closing his chapter, that he is reminding us that we must not become a church that is prayerless, Because a church and a people that is prayerless is powerless. And it is my fear, Northern Hills, that we might become too comfortable in our creature comforts. That we might get too comfortable in the resources that we forget who the source is. That sometimes we get so caught up on the blessing that we miss out on the blessor. That sometimes we can get so bougie our eyes can get a little too cold and now we're wearing, you know, name brand and God has blessed us and now have elevated us and now we live in the West and now we have come to a place where we have allowed comfort to keep us from the power of prayer. It's the fear of mine, Northern Hills, that some of us in our lives, and let me, be, let me remind you that I preach first to myself and then to you. I am not exempt I'm not one of those preachers who's going to get up here and think that they are high and mighty. Let me just let you know, uh, I lay myself before God first. I'm preaching to myself first. Because if there's anybody that's in the room that I know is jacked up and needs Jesus, it is Maurice. (laughs) My wife should have said amen on that because you know. But I say all of this because it is my fear that sometimes when it comes to our prayer walk, our prayer life, whether we've been walking with God for several years or we are just starting this thing out, it is a fear that sometimes our life can become just like that cell phone that is laying next to the charger unplugged. That we have a power source that is right there with us and yet day in and day out We decide to lean on our own understanding. We decide to be dependent on ourselves. We decide to be dependent on the things that God has given us. James is making this point as he is closing his chapter. He says prayer over and over and over again. And you're a part of a good Bible believing church. So I know that somewhere along the lines, you may have heard that there is something about repetition in scripture that when an author is writing and they say something over and over again, they are trying to make a strong point. And it is prayer. And James is speaking of prayer, but it is not lost on him that he is speaking to a people who have gone through persecution. Speaking to a people who have gone through suffering and difficult seasons of life. Just for some context, Northern Hills, James is talking to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. He is a pastor and he is talking to a group of people who, uh, not through uh, good things, but through persecution have been scattered. And I don't know if I'm painting the picture well enough, but it is to say that even in the midst of difficulty, God uh, uses hard times uh, to get to a place where we are seeing who he truly is. James is talking to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. It is where we get our uh, English word diaspora. It is this idea of sown across, sown abroad, sowing seeds. And he's talking to these people who have gone through suffering and hard times. And in particular, James is saying, pray. Pray. And when you're praying, uh, don't forget to pray with passion and to pray consistently Northern Hills, I need to remind you this morning that when it comes to the topic of prayer, that it's one thing to pray when things are good, but it's a true test of someone's faith that when hardship takes place, that when you are going through suffering and you can't see a way out, what does it look like to have enough faith to get down on your knees in those moments? Well, what does it look like to pray when times are hard, not just when they're good? Because I got to tell you, I've been in this faith journey for some time. It's kind of not easy, but it's simple to pray when everything's going right. When you're newly married and you're excited that you get to do marital things. All right, that went over you alls head. Y'all can laugh. It's church. It's cool. You can ease ourselves. We good. It's all good to pray when everything's going right and you got that promotion and now you're excited. It's all good when you are now living in that new build and you're excited to thank God for it. But it's a whole nother thing when it comes to your faith walk, when it's hardship. Northern Hills James is talking to a group of people who have gone through persecution. James is talking to a group of people who have been marginalized. He's talking to a group of people who are under Roman empire. He is talking to a group of people who, is trying, who are trying to live their faith out, but they are consistently being badgered just because they claim that Jesus Christ is Lord. Today, my reminder for all of us is that there is still power in prayer. I read a quote one time about what prayer is, and I think that's gonna be important for us, uh, of what prayer is. I'm talking about prayer and there's all types of prayer. Uh, there, there's prayer in solitude, there, there's prayer of silence, there's, there, there's, all, there's several types of prayers that you can engage in. Uh, but one in particular that I've come across is from a Catholic priest who is a theologian in his own right, Ron Roheiser, And he says, prayer is lifting mind and heart to God. He goes on to say that prayer is when we lift our whole self to God. Those moments when we don't have anything to pray, because he because we're angry. He says, Lift up the anger. If you're resentful, lift up the resentment. If you're tired, lift up the tiredness. If you're shameful, lift up the shame. The point I want to make today, at Northern Hills, as we close out this book of James, is that what he is emphasizing to us is to pray always and every time, every, excuse me, to pray everything, always, even in difficulty. I don't know where you are, I don't know what your background is, I don't know what's you, what brought you to this place, I don't, I don't know what, what your story is. But will you pray everything, always, even in difficulty? It's not just James that makes this point, you gotta make sure you allow scripture to interpret scripture. First Chronicles 16, 11 says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. The next thing that I have, First Thessalonians 5, 16 says, rejoice always and pray without ceasing. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Over and over again we have a God who is longing to commune with us. Over and over and over again, we have a God longing to have time with us. Northern Hills, I don't know what it looks like for you this morning to pray, but can I tell you, I don't know what's on the other side. I don't know what the thing is that you're praying for, and I don't know exactly if it's going to come through. But one thing and one truth that I know is that when you engage in prayer, one thing that I do know that is a guarantee is that you are transformed. Your circumstances may not never change. And I know we live in the West and I know that we get really comfortable, but in the global church, do you know that people who are calling on the name of Jesus sometimes have to have church with two people in silence? They got to have church in small caves just to get together. Over in India, there's a friend of mine who is having church, but he can't proclaim his faith like we do. I don't know what the circumstance is. I don't know what the results are going to be. But one thing I do know for sure is that you cannot engage with the power of Jesus Christ over and over and over again and you yourself not be transformed. And isn't this what it's all about? That we would come to a place of knowing that God is enough that even in the midst of praying, even in the hardship, even when it feels like he won't come through on his end, is God still holy? Is he holy even if your prayers don't come through? Is he powerful even if the result never happens? I think that's what us encouraging. Go ahead, you know what? Let's have a little cross-cultural moment. Just go ahead and nudge your neighbor and say amen. That's, that's a good place for us to get comfortable, say amen. That's number two for me making your pastor cringe, okay? Uh, I just told his church to say, to nudge your neighbor. Y'all not a nudge your neighbor type of church, but I'm gonna go ahead and just lean into that, okay? Northern Hills, when it comes to praying and praying in the midst of difficulty, we must ask ourselves if prayer is still powerful. What keeps us away from prayer? What, what keeps us from fr- praying? And I want to slow down here in this moment. I actually did a, a, a Bible study at my church and I started asking people about prayer. And, and sometimes what, what, why we lack in prayer? What, what keeps us from praying? Why I think this is so important is that there is raw emotion with prayer that the difficulty of even entering into our prayer life has a lot to do with how we see our relationship with God. Some people wrote down, as I took a poll and asked about the topic of prayer, one person wrote, I have thoughts about prayer, but I'm such a bad person. I carry the weight of guilt, said another person. Why would God want to hear from me? I tried and I tried and I tried, and now I don't want to be let down. Prayer is exhausting. I'm just too busy. I don't have enough time. I'm too intimidated. I don't want to have to hope again and be let down. These things stood out to me because I had to learn about prayer and hardship in my own life. I gotta tell you, Northern Hills, it's one thing to preach about it, It's one thing to talk about how good God is. It's one thing to declare the glory of Jesus. It's one thing to talk about the goodness of God. It's one thing to sing about him being a good, good father. But I tell you, when you have to face hardship and go through something yourself, you can say those things, but in the back of your mind, there's something that's doubting it. My wife and I, and I say this story and I don't say it uh, in a trivial manner because there may be some people under the sound of my voice who are facing something very similar, if not the same exact thing. My wife and I, for three years, were trying to have a baby. If you ever been in the process of test after test after test, if you ever been in the process of having to go to other people's gender reveal, If you've ever been in the season of trying to be happy for another friend who just declared and proclaimed on social media that they're pregnant. If you've ever had to muster up enough joy to go to another person's celebration and sit at the the bedside going to the hospital to celebrate your friends while you yourself have been trying and you yourself have been fighting with God and you yourself are starting, are starting to doubt. Test after test, year one goes by, year two goes by. It's at a point now where me and my wife were on two different pages because I can't be Mr. Fix-It. I can't be the husband that's strong and mighty that's trying to come in and I stop talking to God. I can't be the person I I really want to be. And now my wife is is facing this. And and it's a very lonely battle sometimes because you're trying to be there for one another. And there goes another test. I remember one time that I got the text, and my wife said, Hey, babe, I need you to come home. And I'm like excited because we've been trying. And she gets, I get walked through the door and she says, Babe, I'm 14 days late. I said, This has to be it. This has to be it. said okay babe this is it we're excited we tried to be that cute Instagram couple where we recorded it so we press record we're in the bathroom and I'm full of jitters and it's the thing that I've been praying for y'all I mean this is probably test number 20 plus So we're excited 14 days late and in the midst of this right now, we've been longing for this and now it feels like I'm going to have a breakthrough. It feels like I can trust God again. It feels like I can hope again. It feels like there is hope in the world. And in this moment, one minute goes by and two minutes go by and three minutes go by. And me and my wife are sitting there and right before I turn it over, we're sitting in our little apartment and we look at each other and she stops me and she says, I don't know What's on the other side? But I want to have enough faith in God that that even if it doesn't come out in the way that we want to, that we're gonna stop and pray first. I said, okay, babe, let's do it, that's fine. I'm excited, in some ways I'm kind of like numbing the pain, it doesn't even really feel like, okay, yeah, of course, let's pray, because it's just kind of the thing you do. We turn that test over and it's another negative test. There's several more after that one And I've had to preach this sermon in the midst of these things, in the midst of lament, in the midst of me fighting with God, in the midst of having a difficult season, in the midst of trying to tell others about God, y'all. And I don't say that today because I got a chance to show you a picture of my baby boy and a little cute and all the things. I don't say that because everybody is going to get to the other side. I say that because in the midst of my battle, I had to reconcile. I had to come to a place of resolve that even if It does not happen. God, you're still worthy. Amen, somebody. Even if, in the words of Daniel, he does not deliver me. I can sit in the posture of, I know that he's faithful and has the power to. And that's difficult, y'all. I can say that and I can preach that, but I've had to come to a place of sitting and recognizing that it's more about me being transformed by the beauty and the wonder of God than it is about me getting my wants. Amen, somebody. And in the world that we live in, some of you are under the sound of my breath right now and you are facing something. You are longing for something. You've stopped praying about something. You've stopped believing God for something. Can I tell you that this isn't to absolve us of believing for God, but it is to say and put God in his proper place that prayer is a place of saying that God, you are the center, not my wants. That God, you and your glory, your power are enough that Jesus is sufficient. And this has a lesson that I had to learn. And I gotta tell you, James is pressing his congregation to a place of recognizing Jesus is enough. He brings up a character, and I won't stay here too long, but he brings up a man by the name of Elijah. Elijah is a person in the scripture. This was a great man of faith. Elijah was one that you read about and you think about and it's like, man, that's a dramatic story. I mean, this guy's praying for rain and it rains. He's praying for it to stop raining and it stops raining. I mean, this is one of those stories where it's like, that's cool, but I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if this is something that I should be trying to look to as encouragement. So Elijah, y'all, Elijah one who has to face Ahab, and he's king at the time, and Elijah is one who has to face persecution, and he's sitting in this manner, and he prays to God. And the Bible says, again, he prayed. Sometimes for some of us in the room, uh, prayer is a place of pain. Sometimes for some of us in the room, prayer is a place of exhaustion. But what James reminds us as he closes his chapter to close out his entire book, he starts with hardship and he ends with hardship, but he's asking us to pray in the midst of it. And the character that he points out is Elijah. And what I found so comforting in my study of Elijah is that he's prayed for rain. It's this dramatic story. It's this whole thing. And if you think about movies, if you're a movie buff, I mean, Elijah's that one where you just sit back and you're just like, this is just great cinematography. Like this is great action. I don't know if it's for me, but that's great action. But there was one small verse you might've read past it that James is pushing us towards. Verse 17 says these words, Elijah was a human being. Watch this, even as you are. Elijah is a human being, even as you are. Elijah, with all of that story, with all of that drama and with all of this plot of this, this big cinema, cinematography, Elijah was a human being, even as you are. And why God is calling us to look at Elijah, why James is pressing us to look at Elijah as a reference is to encourage us that this isn't about being special. This isn't about being a super Christian. Okay, I come from church road, y'all. Y'all know the deep Christians, and I come from like really churchy background. Like, I'm talking like Pentecostal black church. I mean, it seems like sometimes it's a hierarchy. I'm seeing it seems like sometimes it's like that's the great people of faith over there. I mean, you got one person that's starting off, I mean, in great King Jesus, thee, thou. I mean, it's just like, whoa, my prayers are not like that church mother's prayers. And then it's another person who's starting out, and then they they, they start out. My, my grandma was one, she started out, uh, Father God, in the name of Jesus, ch- uh, Church of uh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Da-da-da-da. I'm like, Jesus Christ of Nazareth? What are we talking about? A person that would pray, and then you get in a prayer circle, and, and then, I mean, don't let me get into this too much, I mean, but you got this whole thing in church world of praying in tongues. I'm like, woo! Now we need some different territory. And all the while, it can seem like a really churchy thing or it seems like a place where only super Christians can pray. You ever been in a church circle and somebody's praying and they're praying heaven down and then you got other people saying, mm, that's good. It's like, I don't have, mm, that's good prayers. I don't know if I could do this. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. It's not to say that you've got to be like Elijah. It's simply to say that in your simple prayers, in your consistent prayers, in your prayers of passion, in your prayers of honesty and vulnerability, God is willing to do the same thing, that God is willing to show up on our behalf, that God is willing to meet us in our prayers. You don't have to be like some super Christian. And in the midst of my hardship, in the midst of my season, I had to get to a place where it felt like I was beaten on the chest of God. And I just began to cry out, And it wasn't elaborate prayers, it was prayers like, why me? It was prayers like, I could do all this for you, but you can't even give me a baby. Raw emotion, I simply bring up Elijah to say, you are human, Elijah is human, and the Bible says, because of the powerful prayers, because of his consistent prayers, because of his honest prayers, because of his prayers of passion, God met them right there. And God is willing to meet you right where you are. And I don't know what you're praying for today, but my encouragement to you is that you don't stop believing. That the Bible says that our prayers are powerful and effective. Your lead Pastor Brian, he said this last service, I'm gonna take the thunder from him this time, but he says the powerful and effective prayers of the righteous. They avail much, they rise up much. Can I tell you, don't get tripped up over that word righteous because it's not our righteousness, but it's the righteousness of Jesus that what he did on the cross for all of humanity Was that to say that if you put your faith in me, that I clothe you with my righteousness, that you don't have to try to be enough. You already are because of who I am. You don't have to try to prove yourself. I did that on the cross. You don't have to fight to try to come up with elaborate words. I already did that on the cross with my prayer to God saying, Father, why have you forsaken me? Let this cup pass from me. Jesus prayed the prayer. He sat in that moment of vulnerability And you are righteous, just like Elijah, because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I wanna land the plane here, Northern Hills, as we close out this entire book of James on the topic of prayer, my encouragement to you is that God's plan for this world is you. It's not a governmental system, it's you. The local church, and I don't mean a building, I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about people filled with faith. I'm talking about people who aren't gonna give up on prayer. I'm talking about people who are full of prayer, even when it hurts. I'm talking about people who are gonna to continue to move forward in their faith walk. The, full, the, the, plan, the rescue plan of God for this world is you. I gotta encourage you that your prayers Don't only have to be consistent, don't only have to be passionate like Elijah, but I'm encouraging you that they be bold like Elijah. I gotta tell you a story as I land the plane here. My grandmother uh, was a person of faith, is a person of faith. I come from a a, a background where um, my grandmother is a a Baptist preacher. And I come from a background with one of those testimonies of a praying grandmother. Anybody else in the room have a praying grandmother? Amen. I come from one of those typical background stories. I brought a picture of her. She's in the red dress, y'all. That is Ernestine Poole Johnson-Anderson. All of those names. You hear what I'm saying? And she will remind you. ah, ah," All of it. Like, don't don't just say one of those. Ernestine Poole Anderson-Johnson. My grandmother grew up in Compton, California. She had my mother who also grew up in Compton, California, who met my dad who was also from Compton, California. My grandmother was a praying mom who prayed a simple prayer, God save my family. In the midst of Compton, California of gang violence, in the midst of drugs and prostitution, My father's story around holiday times, he's still unraveling more and more. He was one who was caught up in gang violence, selling drugs. My mother was also found running the streets just like my father. And all in the midst of being in Compton, California, with all of the vices surrounding them, my grandmother prayed, God save my family. 1991 comes around, my mother, my father have me and my brother. My dad soon finds himself locked up in prison. My grandmother's prayer was God save my family. Years go by. There's a process of my parents coming out of that lifestyle just encouragement for some of you who are in process For some of you grandparents that are in the room who are looking at your children or looking at your grandchildren and it seems as if they are so far away they were in process and in the midst of them being in process my grandmother stayed consistent and stayed passionate God save my family Northern Hills, what James is pressing us towards and what I believe my grandmother held on to is that there is still power in prayer. Don't ever get caught up on what you see because we walk by faith and not by sight. And in the midst of my dad being in gangs and in the midst of my mom running the streets and in the midst of my family looking like it was going in the wrong direction, she held the anchor to say, God save my family. And I stand before you today, not unscathed from all of the drama, but I stand before you today to say, as a minister of the gospel, that so is my twin brother as a minister of the gospel that my sister is saved, that my other sister is saved, that my mother is an evangelist and my dad is a deacon. Northern Hills, I say that to say, in the kingdom of God, there is no before and after. We get real caught up on before and after pictures and that's good when you're working out, but can I tell you, that there is a before and a not yet in the kingdom. That when you're on your knees and you're praying to God, that we serve a God that delivers. We serve a God that meets us. We serve a God that is longing to bless us. We serve a God who is a good and faithful father. And I don't know what the results are going to be, but I know he has the power to make it happen. Northern Hills, I wanna end on this question as I encourage you not to just pray consistent prayers to not just pray all things at all times, not to just pray passionately, but as you pray boldly, bold prayers go beyond yourself. Bold prayers are beyond just you. And in a world when we get self-centered and we just try to think about ourselves and we try to think about our next blessing and we're trying to think about how God is going to do something for me. Can I tell you one of the best ways to pray through hard seasons is to pray for others. When it feels like you can't do it for yourself, your neighbor is longing for your prayer. Your family is longing for your prayer. Your city is longing for your prayers. Your grandchildren are waiting for you not to play it safe, for you to be bold in your prayers, that the things that you will fight for today, the next generation won't have to suffer through when they come up, Northern Hills, as we pray bold prayers that go beyond ourselves, I ask you this question. If all of your prayers were answered today, would it just be your world that changes or would the world change? God has called us to be world changers. And I can't tell you enough that you cannot change this world without first and foremost being on your knees in prayer, believing with faith that God is worthy and he's able. That's my prayer for us this morning. The same as James, that we would be a community filled with prayer, which means we're filled with power. Northern Hills, bow your heads as we go before the Lord. God, thank you. Thank you for true prayer, God. I thank you, not not just for cute prayers, not not just for uh, the the, the small things, and not just for uh, prayers, Lord, that that, that feel that nice and good. I thank you for the honest prayers, God. That today somebody is longing to cry out to you. Somebody is longing to, to, to fight with you. Somebody is longing to wrestle with you. Somebody's got lots of complaints for you, God, and that is a holy place to be as we cry out to you. God, I pray for the real honest prayers like the man in Mark chapter nine. That Lord, I'm trying, that Lord, I'm, I'm fighting. Lord, I'm believing, but would you help my unbelief? It's not to say that we are only going to be certain at all times, God, but would you help us in the moments of difficulty? Would you help us in the moments of doubt? Would you help us in the moments of unbelief, Lord? Would you help us to pray through hardship? And as we gain the posture of prayer, would we recognize that it was because of you on the cross, that because of your prayer, because you went through hard times, because you suffered for us. We can take on your righteousness and call on God to say, bless us, encourage us. In the mighty name
0: of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Can we thank Maurice Church? again I'm so honored to call Maurice a friend and a brother and and Maurice and Aisha I just want to let you guys know your faith and perseverance through that season of infertility was an absolute inspiration and to see them holding now the fulfillment of God's power in their own lives we're just celebrating with you as well and you know church what a great way to end out this series you know we've spent these three months in James and just so grateful for it to come to this conclusion what a perfect place the power of prayer And we wanted to create some space for that to happen right here in our church, Uh, right here. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And again, when I read that, my first thought is, well, man, I I must not be a very righteous person then because sometimes it feels my prayers don't work. But as Marie said, it's not our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. That is where the power comes from. And my prayer is that we would be a church known for the passion we have for seeking God, I want us to be known for that as a church. And so I'm going to ask our host team to start preparing, but we wanted to give some space for communion. We thought this was just a perfect opportunity to, as a reminder that our righteousness is in Jesus to create space for us to prayer. And maybe your prayer life has just dried out a little bit. Maybe it's from discouragement because you haven't seen the things you've been seeking. Maybe you've just been going through the motions. This is a chance to stir the spiritual flame in your life and turn the heat up a little bit and have an opportunity to seek God just with some fresh passion. And so our team's going to be available. And I'll tell you guys, we, uh, we screw this up every single time we create awesome traffic jams. And I take total responsibility you're laughing because it's true. That's why. And so we're going to make another attempt here to make this as smooth as possible. Here's our attempt right here on the, on the screen, if you can put that up real quick, Aaron. Um, yeah, look at that. all those arrows. That'll make it easier, right? Um, so if you want to give it a try, though, on the outside, you can move out. Middle sections, you'll have stations here, and then just feel free to go back just the way you came. Either way, you'll get what you needed, so we won't worry too much about any of the traffic jams. But church, I want to give us this space. Let's seek God, and and then we will close out just uh, together as a community singing him. So I'm going to dismiss us right now to take communion. Feel free to partake.
1: Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.